let's let's late. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. yeah Let, let's let's get oh, hold let's that just, story. Yeah. Hold that story. Let's let's just get right into it. Let's yeah. uh, do our intro. Okay. Yep, yep. So okay. Need to yeah capture the content. That's our, yeah. All right. Okay. All right. If y'all are ready to go, uh, in yeah. three, two, one. And Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the mystical underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our tech magician, producer, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular posts and where you can find out uh, about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is The Shift, reports from the mystical underground. Trisha's latest novel is White Crows. And Rob's audio edition of Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings is now available free of charge at on SoundCloud at the Mystical Underground site. Okay, our guest today is Andrew McPherson, a world-renowned photographer working in Hollywood. His first book, Two Million Miles, was published in 2006, and it showcased his photographs working with top fashion magazines such as Vogue and Bazaar, as well as many of the icons of the entertainment industry. His work has regularly appeared on album and magazine covers and movie posters. It can also be seen on his Instagram feed at Andrew McPherson, underline official, and on his two websites, um, McFly for the day job, and his personal work is on uh, www.andrewmcpherson.com. Andrew was born in England. He dedicated himself to photography the year his mother died when he was in his, when he was 13. He surprised his father by telling him that he, that she was going to die when his fairy came to tell him the news at school. His experience with spirit came again when at 18, he spontaneously channeled the spirit of his deceased godfather at the gathering after his funeral. After that, there was a long gap of quiet until he reached 26. Then a floodgate of experiences and dreams opened his eyes to the mystery that contains all that is known. Following that, he kept encountering other people whose lives had been changed or influenced by spirit. And that, combined with his ongoing experiences, inspired him to write A Question of Spirit. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Andrew. Yeah, why don't we start right uh, when you're in your mid-20s? Uh, we're just starting to talk about that. Uh, well, tell us about being 26. <laughs> yes, so, I mean, it's funny. It follows on from what Jude was talking about in her interview. And I literally, one of the first things that happened was I had a dream about the nature of time. And in that dream, the nature of time was shown to me as kind of bundled, coiled, like coils of snakes all bundled up. And I I was one of those dreams, you know, when you wake up and you're like, my God, that was so loud and so crisp. (laughs) And I didn't really understand what it meant. Well, then in the following days, I started having dreams about literally things that happened in the following days. And I had seen them the night before or two nights before in my dream exactly as they happened so it really started kind of throwing me off I'm like how how can time be a linear unfolding if it's possible to see things which haven't yet happened precognition so, <laughs> yes, yes and and, and um, that was kind of a, a a real beginning for me and then um, you know, spirit really arrived in my life when I was 29, when um, 
uh, a spirit which I wrote wrote about in Question of Spirit. It's the lead. It's kind of the lead chapter. To uh-huh. Question of Spirit. It's essentially a book of interviews because I wanted to make sense of my experiences. So I went out and tried to find as many people as I could who'd had experiences with spirit to try and make sense of it. Um, spoiler alert: I never did. The mystery. <laughs> is greater than the known and everything that exists is contained within the mystery. So I actually never got to the end of the rabbit hole, but (laughs) the learning has been extraordinary and, and humbling. It's a continuing quest. It really is. I mean, you know, even if we look at the universe, we don't know what it's contained within. We don't know what was here before the big bang. You know, we we literally exist within mystery. And then, you know, I mean, it's funny following on from Jude's um, podcast, I really enjoyed. Um, but, you know, everything is built on nothing or on nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like her uh, the way she said it wasn't the big bang. It was the big breath. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She called I thought it. that yeah. was great. Uh, Andrew, I love your definition of human life as being the spirit's way of communicating or interacting with matter, that's similar to what uh, has become something of a slogan in the metaphysical world. That is, we are not humans seeking a spiritual experience, but rather spirits experiencing a human experience. But let's turn it around, uh, going the other way. What's your definition of death? Well, I'm... I, You know, I've had so much experience now with spirits um of those who have passed over that to me it's just creation and destruction whether everything in this dimension is a duality whether you know of course electricity or magnetism but also creation destruction good and evil and um we come into this physical being as spirit entering a life and each life is like a wave we are all essentially surfers this each life is a pulse of energy and we are surfers in this dimension of energy of energy and time so we come in we do this dance where we get to experience birth growth and then eventually death this is our wave to ride and my current a feeling about it because i would never claim to have knowledge my current feeling is the reason to be here is to celebrate creation to see what it is to experience it and to celebrate it and i don't really hold with those who say that you know it's about suffering or it's about all of this right. have to find <clears throat> the beauty and the joy the the you know to, i mean it's a, to me i've worked obviously a lot with musicians and there's uh there's such magic in music music is held within time whereas what i've done photography is taking moments out of time but music is held within time but you go back to the campfires of the ancients and the music is the moment when the tribe is the most united and it's united in joy you know it's it's the campfire, it's the dance, it's it's the party. And that's, you know, all youth seeks out the party. You know, as, you know, whether, <laughs> as, I mean, we all did when we were kids. The parents are away. It's like, come on, let's have a party. But I, I think the joyousness is the key of life, is experience the joy. Just like a surfer has joy riding a wave, you know, our responsibility in this life is to experience joy. And then you know when we pass back over the only thing we can take with us is the love and the joy we've experienced in this existence in in this moment or in this or riding this wave uh andrew do you think that the spirits you've communicated with do you feel that they can see the future or are they totally in the present or whatever i I, this is they are very much in the present when i Uh have channeled spirit myself or when i have experienced spirit the unifying experience has been messages of love Uh guidance for what is happening at the moment and you know in my i mean especially because all of this began for me before the internet so i went Uh i you know i seeked out a lot 
of mediums and psychics because I wanted to talk to them about their experiences. And I'm not really, I don't think it's really possible to tell the future. You know, I think on on all of the readings I've had, all of them, the psychics I've spoken to, I would say 30% maybe have some kind of accuracy in prediction. I think what people are able to do is read the energy that uh-huh. is around you, your wishes, your desires, your feelings, the direction you're going with things. I think I, I it's weird because destiny seems to exist, and yet the future seems to be impenetrable, impenetrable. God, I can't say the word. <laughs> um but but yet, you know, in my dreams, I have seen the future. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm truly mystified by it. Yeah. Uh, did I ask you about I did ask you if you'd gone to Casa Dega, right? Yes. No, yeah. and I haven't. OK, you need to. <laughs> OK. <laughs> yeah, I think so. you would fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> so villages, uh, mediums, basically, and. Yeah, some of them are good, some of them maybe not so. Yeah, Yeah. but it's an interesting place. Yeah, so I was wondering, Andrew, has your photography applied to your investigation of spirit uh, at all? No, not at all. And Trish, you did send me the the work of that that lady who had tried to take photography into it. I had an in-question of spirit. There is, I had one experience which was fascinating. Again, I wrote about it in the book and I interviewed the girl whose name's Carolyn Park, who's perhaps the most psychic person I've ever met in my life. But um, she was a fashion model and I was doing a fashion story for actually Elle magazine. And um, she came into the house here and she said, uh, oh no, wait, let me just jump back. (laughs) About three months before this happened, a friend of mine who knows my interest had said there was a very powerful psychic visiting from England. So I invited him over. We had lunch here on the balcony. And after lunch, he said, look, I'll do the cards for you. And he read my cards. Interestingly, not tarot cards, a plain deck of the 50 cards. And he laid the cards out and he said a few things. And one of the things he just stopped and he looked up at me and he said, you're going to photograph the spirits but you're going to think your equipment is broken, but it's not (laughs) seeing spirit. And I remember, you know, I put it in the back of my mind and I was like, okay, fine. Anyhow, three months later, I'm doing this shoot with English L and, um, the 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 fashion editor who as again was she herself she's now actually working as a as a healer she stopped she le- left fashion and is now a healer she said to me you're going to really enjoy this girl she's got a lot of psychic <laughs> ability so this so we did the shoot at my house here in LA Carolyn Park walked in the house and the first thing she said was like there's spirits here and I said don't worry <laughs> it's John he's a friend I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> she proceeded to have a two-day conversation with this spirit, John, who's had a, a big influence in my life. And as we were doing the, sh- the photographs, um, it, this was in the days before digital, when you would do Polaroids to check mm-hmm. the exposure and to check everything before you shot the film. And all across the Polaroids were these streaks of light that I'd never seen before or since. And... You know, it was um, it's kind of a mystery to me because it's you know, I know the equipment and I know everything. But of course, when this started happening, Caroline's talking literally to John as if he's in the room. (laughs) And then I'm remembering what this psychic had said three months earlier. And, you know, and so I did put one of the Polaroids in the book. Yeah, that's that's an incredible photo. Yeah, the the problem with the the psychic photography is that it, I guess it can be fake so much. Like in this book that uh, Trish sent you, or uh, you know, she has a lot of photographs, but she blatantly says, you know, she she created them that yeah. that, that they're not spirit uh, contacts. They're just kind of. Andrew, did I send you the picture of the spirit dog? No. <laughs> okay. I, after after the show, I'm going to send it to you. It was from a friend of ours who lost her dog, and that evening. She her security camera captured this 
spirit of the dog. I mean, it really looks like a dog hovering above the dog's favorite spot to sit on the couch. Yeah, it's, so, yeah, it's pretty impressive. I'll send it to you, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, you know, my, I've had so many experiences with spirit, but I'm, it's hard, it's hard to know, like visually, I've been more claircognizant and clairaudient. Mm -hmm. I've, I've actually seen with my eyes nothing, nothing. I mean, a couple of times I've had images in my mind, but it's my, you know, the way that I, I've experienced spirit is is really claircognizance and clairaudience. That's been the, the the strongest impressions I've had. Curiously, and I've I've always thought that even trying to photograph it, even if you could, it would look faked. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. what are you going right. to see? Smudgy yeah. light. I mean, essentially, <laughs> it's energy that's there, but on a different dimension. And um, and I, I mean, I had one of the perhaps best spirit stories that i have um one of the interviews i did in question of spirit was a a medium here in los angeles called hollister rand i don't know if you've come across her by name but she's published a lot of books and she's very known at least here on you know in la Uh and um she's she after i interviewed her she said you should come to my psychic development workshop and so i was like okay fine and i did i did the two-day course and then i did the the three-day advanced course and one of the things i took away from that was it was mostly women i was the only guy there (laughs) so it's very connected i feel all of this is very connected with the feminine side or female intuition Uh of course i spent my you know my mom was a fashion designer i've spent my life working in fashion so i'm obviously you know very attuned to the feminine side of things but anyhow on the on the fifth day of doing all of this development course i was sitting in front of a woman who you know, we would do how how she was doing the work was we would read each other. So you would, you know, you would pair up, she'd give you exercises. And I'm sitting in front of that woman. And in my mind's eye, I see this supermodel looking figure dressed in a business suit with her hair flowing in a sports stadium with all these flags <laughs> flying. And I'm like, what the hell am I seeing? I can't <laughs> possibly tell this woman. You know, it seems so irrational. And at that moment, Hollis Naran walked up to me and she said, Andrew, you can see the woman in the sports stadium. Tell her. And I was oh, God. <laughs> and I did. And it was this woman's grandmother. She was the. Oh, she, wow. Grandmother had been the first manager of an American football, female manager of an American football team. And she came through with a message of love and clarity for this woman. But the image was so strong and it seemed so unrelated to the woman I was looking at. I was afraid to tell her (laughs) what I was seeing. Had you communicated that? anything of that to Hollister before that? Or was she just picked up on what you were seeing? She just kept literally in the classroom. She just walked over and she just said that. So wow. there was wow. so she. There was no way at all that this. The, there was no way for this to be anything other than we were seeing the same thing in our minds. Wow. Right. It's fascinating. Uh, is she still practicing in in LA? I but yes, because I still get newsletters from her. Uh-huh. Huh. Yeah. Her yeah. last name is Rand, R-A-N-D. R-A-N-D, yeah. Hollister yeah. Rand. Yeah. Ah, pretty cool. And her, I really enjoyed her. Her psychic development workshop was actually a really great five days experience. You know, it was uh-huh. really, uh, you know, to walk away with what I would call something so proof, proof positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, she did say some things like, you know, just because people have passed over doesn't mean that they're, they're good you know they take the good and the bad you always uh-huh. have to protect yourself and make sure that you know what you're dealing with is of the good hmm. yeah but uh, pretty cool yeah you, you have a story in your book about a child who's two and a half years old remembering a past life i was fascinated by that because it was like she went into a trance this little kid i think they're in a car and yes it, uh and it seemed like she was almost possessed by like a former self. And uh, that, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? That was really interesting. Yeah, that was a fascinating story. And that, you know, came, that was a connection sort of through a friend of a friend. And um, 
I, you know, weirdly enough, the the child didn't remember it, and as an adult, still doesn't remember it. But the two parents in the car heard all of this, and it was literally like your, you know, your child in the back seat is kind of going into a trance. Oh, they were talking about a family like a family illness i forget the illness but it was some kind of some kind of a liver thing if i remember correctly but it's a family illness that had gone through several generations and the the child literally kind of went into this trance and said i'm not going to get this i or i passed of that in my last life and then she went into this whole thing of her last life in a village in the south of i think it was the south of india it was in india And wow. she remembered her whole life, her, her, you know, the the village, her parents, the, the 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 her siblings, and she basically described her whole past life, um, and then you know, kind of suddenly, you know, snapped out of it. The the father was so freaked out that <laughs> he didn't know that he was going faster and faster in the car. And then he got pulled over for speeding. And when the police, <laughs> when the cop car came up behind them, the, it snapped the daughter out of it. And she didn't even remember what she'd said. Wow. Mm. <laughs> yeah, how, how has, um, how has synchronicity played into your whole thing, investigation mass- of this? Spirit? Oh my gosh, massively. And funny uh-huh. enough, it was your talk on synchronicity that I listened to over Christmas that got me to to just go, you know what, I'm just going to email you. Synchronicity <laughs> has been, and that's something that comes in waves. There are uh-huh. times when you notice everything kind of aligns, and then there's times when it sort of descrambles, if you will. Mm-hmm. Synchronicity seems to be s- sort of the evidence that right. Every- Thing that that you are aligned with what you're meant to be doing mm-hmm. when it falls out of alignment then you know i think it's it's time to recalibrate yourself mm-hmm. but i i don't understand it but as a witness of it it's been an incredibly powerful thing in my life mm-hmm. and i mean honestly with synchronicity i think is luck and i you know i feel like my life has been defined by luck, I could not claim to have had the journey I've had or gotten where I've gotten through anything other than luck. And and that luck and that synchronicity seem to be very much, you know, harmonized. So in yeah. a sense, it's the voice of your, it was the voice of your destiny. Do you think? Uh-huh. I think so. Yeah, I mean, de- it's, you know, it's, it's the, the whole discussion of destiny is such a hard one because has all of this already been written? Has it already <laughs> happened? Are we experiencing something that has already been? Are we, you know, as souls, as spirits, are we entering into some a script that's already been written, events that have already happened, and this is our experience of them? Or is this truly a mysterious unfolding of something that has never happened before? And that's where... I, you know, I honestly, I can, you can argue for both. It could be a combination of both, really, you know, that you come in with a certain destiny, but you have free will to uh, change things. You, but the, you're, you're, you have a certain pattern in your life that you're, you're entering. That's one way of looking at it. I mean, I, I, you know, if you're pro the argument for destiny, you don't have the ability to change anything. You're right. going to experience what destiny has written. The only thing you can do is alter your attitude to mm-hmm. what. Yeah, I don't like the word destiny because it, it implies something fixed. Exactly. Yeah. And and uh, you know, but then then if it it, it may if it if you but we can't argue it either. Oh, way. You're right. I know. You know. <laughs> Because essentially all of this is a firework. <laughs> so it's a holographic firework. So maybe it is all written. <clears throat> yeah, that's why we need to have Jude back to sit for about five hours and teach us all. <laughs> I know. I, I have to say, I was really blown away by, by what too. I was, you know, I really would love to talk to her more about the thing, you know, the things that she she's really getting to something that i think is really key and it's funny because the the she talked about the word or the wave and i've thought a lot 
about sound and music. Uh-huh. When you think of the energy in every atom, I mean, one one of the best conversations I had in in um, question of spirit was with the, a, a pair of scientists, Maria, who's who led the team that won the Nobel Prize for um, proving the Higgs boson exists at the Large Hadron Collider, and her fiance Eric, who's the world's leading export expert in quantum teleportation. Huh. That conversation blew my mind. The, you know, the first thing I said to what's the, you know, can you explain the nature of this reality? And he said, well, <laughs> you know, what was here before the Big Bang and what's the universe expanding into? And the first thing they said is, you've asked the two questions in science you can't ask. And they then <laughs> proceeded to tear science to shreds, saying it's a dogma. Science is like a right. religion. It's a, it's a dogmatic belief. Mm. Truth is always changing. Knowledge is always changing. And what we, you know, and I mean, there's that cliche of of science progresses one funeral at a time, but it (laughs) it does because the people who come up with an idea get fixed on that idea and then nothing Mm. changes until after they've gone. Um, But it was fascinating to hear their take on on the limits of science and the dogmas of science. But, you know, I said, so what's an atom look like if you make it the size of a football stadium? And essentially... (laughs) It's not there. There's nothing there. It's it's charged. It's just charged fields. There aren't little golf balls whizzing around like <laughs> you know, we were shown at school, which, again, right. um, you know, Jude <clears throat> had talked about exactly that. All of this is um, it's energy. Where does this energy come from? So is it is it a frequency? Is of is it a vibration? So I know on, you know, there's. um one of the things I've listened to a lot is 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 the UFO stuff that, that uh-huh. is in in the the field of 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 you know of, of the mystical underground. I've three times seen craft, and I've had one dream where I was shown and taken in a craft. And when I you know, and I, it, it was a dream, but when I woke up from it, I saw myself coming back down oh, wow. into, into my body. So it was a it was an extraordinary dream where it could have been real. But um, the, the I was taken inside the craft I saw and all three times I've seen the craft. It was a round metal. They've been round metal spheres just look like a giant ball bearing in the sky. Huh. Um, How do you and- know you weren't up there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you I know don't. your work? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of don't, but um, I kind of don't. But yet, you know, was it a dream or was it? I, I, I It's it's really hard to tell. I, I uh-huh. feel like it was a dream, but it could have been real. But I don't know. But it was, I mean, the the I can describe the inside of the craft incredibly clearly. It was on three levels. The middle level was all white. And it was um, essentially the the living space. The upper level was obviously a dome, and and there was only one chair. It was a one person craft. Huh. And um, I, when I entered the dream, I was standing at the back of the room with a hand on my shoulder, and the 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 person who I was with said, "Don't don't look at me. Don't turn around. I'm going to show you the craft that you saw." And I'm standing in the room, and he said, and the voice, which was, you know, I don't remember if it was male or female, but it was a soft voice, said, "This is the this is the living space. This is the storage for everything huh. we need for the travel." <laughs> and so we walked, and it, you know, the the craft was about the size of a UPS truck, if you know what I mean. So uh-huh. you know about a big craft so we walked to the end where there was a staircase walked up the staircase which arrived in the middle of the dome and there was a single chair so the stairs come up you walk around you sit in the chair put your hands on effectively what looks like two ipads and as soon as you touch the two ipads the entire craft effectively vanishes because the outside is all micro lenses. The the what looks wow. like a steel ball bearing is actually all micro lenses. And when you put your hands on the pads, you see what is outside the craft because the floor and the dome 
is all screen. So as huh. soon as you touch the pads, you see you see what where you are and what's outside the craft, and then it moves by thought. And so the character said, what would you like to see? I said, I'd love to see the Andromeda Galaxy. <laughs> Just like you changed the TV channel, I'm looking at the Andromeda Galaxy wow. from above it. And the Milky Way is a tiny little dot way off in the distance. And when I realized how far away I was, I had a, like a, a moment of fear. It's like, oh, shit. And then <laughs> as soon as I had that moment of fear... I saw myself dropping back down wow. into into my body, you know, back to back to earth. But I was actually at that time I was camping in New Zealand, so I saw myself coming back down from the sky to the camper van and enter the camper van. So wow. it know, sounds it, real, Andrew. <laughs> it, it was a very <laughs> it was very real. I can't tell you if it was a dream or not. Yeah. But it, it was a very real experience, but it, what was really interesting to me was the fact that the the the, the craft was able to move by thought, yeah, which is, is that's that's yeah. and so if this universe is indeed consciousness, if mm -hmm. this is as as Jude had you know right. proposed, then it makes absolute sense that that you could move through thought and you know the fact that there are so many ufo sightings now i mean you know and, and it's becoming almost such a normalized thing <laughs> and as craft that i had the experience of both seeing and the dream of these are camper vans these are not intergalactic traveling ocean liners these are camper vans. They're, they're designed for short trips. Huh. So if you're doing a short trip, you're not doing interstellar, you're not doing interstellar space. You're doing interdimensional hops and skips. Right. Yeah, but to the Andromeda, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's gotta be far. <laughs> it's far. I mean, it's far if you do, if you, it's far if you're doing it with a rocket engine. Right. It's, it's, right. you know, it's, it's before the last ice age, probably uh -huh. even longer. Yeah. yeah, interesting. That, that may be where how uh, space travel ultimately will take place. Not uh, give up on the attempt yeah, to use the all these engines to uh, move physically, but uh, through our minds or through our spirits to transfer to different uh, dimensions, different uh, parts of the universe. You I have mean, a did, wait. Yeah. I want to ask him a little bit more about this this dream. Uh, did you ever see the person? You didn't, right? Huh. No, never did. He, I mean, because the, when the voice said, "Don't turn around," right. don't look at me, I, I, I just was. I, 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 I felt like I had to respect it. I felt like I was getting an, um, you know, I don't know. It felt sort of like a. I felt like in the dream. This was an ex I was being given a gift, and you know, I wasn't uh -huh. anything to. You know, it was a trust. I felt like it was an act of trust, if you mm -hmm. will. Now, when this person sat down and put hands onto the iPads, where were you? Were you being? Oh no, I was them? the one putting the hands on. The oh, iPad. you were okay. Yeah. Wow. You know that he 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 was behind me, or he the this the and so with the all the time the hand was on my shoulder, okay, my mm -hmm. right shoulder, and I was guided up the stairs. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the chair was right there. So the stairs came up, you know, if you imagine the dome and the chair right. in the middle, the stairs came up diagonally behind the chair. And then so, you know, it, he he just sort of took me around and said, OK, sit in the chair. Oh, OK. And, you know, on the arms. And so on the arms were these sort of screen like things, like as if two iPads were set in the uh -huh. screen. And then as soon as you touched them, it activated the craft. Oh, he also did explain to me the bottom third of the craft, the the bowl, was the motive power unit, and you never even you there is, you don't even have to go in there. What whatever it was was powering it. It was you know it 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 required no maintenance or fuel. You you know it was it was built into the craft. Was there any noise that you could hear? Any sounds? Huh. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, that uh, is. so. Uh, it sounds like it was a, a lucid dream that uh, you really felt at, at the that, very minimum <laughs> yeah, that you were there. You also have a chapter about extraterrestrial life late uh, in the later part of your book, 
and where you you ask the mediums uh, you have uh, i don't know six or uh, five or six seven mediums that you were interviewed and what surprised me is they all answered but they all i think most i maybe i didn't catch all of them that they they seem to never have had an experience themselves uh which which i found surprising hmm. i did too to be honest <laughs> but, but, you know just based on the especially you know based on what we now kind of know that that if this is all consciousness life and the existence of the universe seem to be incredibly harmonized which again was why jude's interview is right. so interesting because I think life probably it's almost impossible it doesn't exist everywhere but but conscious life to get to the point uh-huh. where where we've got I mean you know, think how long the dinosaurs were here how long it took life to evolve to this level of consciousness to life seems to be an, an essential part of creation to think where the only place where life right. exists is is it's almost more absurd than just thinking life and creation are completely aligned. Well, did this being or this person or whatever ever explain to you what he or she was doing here? Nothing. Okay. No, I mean, in, in, in that, in that dream, the, the, it was, I was being shown the craft that I uh-huh. had and the, the craft I, I, I saw, I mean, the, the, you know, the first time I saw the cra- a, a craft, I was in an aeroplane taking off. I was coming back from a job in, um, I'd been working randomly in New Orleans about three weeks before um, Hurricane Katrina. And oh, interesting. totally randomly, I was there photographing Matthew McConaughey. And <laughs> as the plane was taking off, flying out of um, uh Coming out, we were probably about 30,000 feet, but we were in what I call layer clake clouds. You know, mm. whether you're going through one layer and another right. and another, and you can see all these layers. And I was looking out the window, looking down at Louisiana, and then I saw this round craft pass by in a gap in the clouds below us. I only had my eyes on it for maybe two seconds, long enough to see it and be good, like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and it was it was maybe you know, my dad was a pilot and I spent a lot of time in my childhood in light airplanes. So I feel like I'm very good at aircraft recognition and knowing what things are. And it was definitely not any kind of a balloon. It was a it was a yeah. round craft and it was going under its own speed. But I didn't, it, you know, it's like, oh, that's just weird. But it, it was, it was, you know, it was so quick that it's like, you kind of didn't quite believe it. But the second time I saw the craft, it was in Los Angeles on the hillside with 180 degree clear open sky, blue sky, not a cloud in the sky, perfect afternoon sunlight. And at first, you know, it was actually, I was with my, my ex and she saw it first and we're like what is that is it a helicopter because you know when a helicopter's coming at you right. it's round but you see the rotor blades up above and so we were looking at it like where are the rotor blades where are the and by the time it was close enough that we realized what it was i knew there wasn't time to run inside and get a camera and try and photograph it because it was going too quick but so i uh. i we we stood and, and watched it fly by effectively down sunset boulevard going out to the west and both of us were like so sure that it would be in the press the next morning it would be all over the newspaper ufo flies down sunset boulevard (laughs) scoured the internet scoured the, the the news somehow we were the only two people who saw this thing wow. and you know which is really really confusing how can you yeah. live in a city of eight million people uh, you know, in the middle of four airports with all the radar <laughs> that they have you know between lax santa monica van nice and burbank this thing just flew straight down sunset boulevard wow at, at, at kind of the height and at the speed that you would expect a police helicopter to fly so you know 1500 feet doing about 150 knots and clear i mean just completely clear and about the size, uh. of, the size of a ups truck but if you made a ups truck into a, a metal sphere and it was so you know under just completely clear when and at that point i was like okay they're here 
<laughs> There's no denying it. And it was really good to see it with someone else because, yeah. you know, you, you, then you know, yeah, yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's yeah. really real. I'm not um, cuckoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That, this, is not, this is not hallucination. This yeah. is for real. There it is. You know, the fact um, that, you know, the fact that you saw this, and your partner saw this, and nobody else reported it it reminds me of an, ex, an experience that trish and i had a, a couple of years ago we went to barnes and noble in our oh, just thinking of that neighborhood so we went inside and uh i was in the metaphysical section and i saw a ufo book that i'd never seen before so i picked it up and bought that book and uh we went outside in the parking lot and there was this Something above us, uh, maybe 500 feet, 700 feet, but it, it was just like a light. Uh, we couldn't see the uh, anything but the light. And we stood there staring at it. It was right above the parking lot. And all these people were walking by. Nobody looked up. You know, nobody stopped and said, <laughs> what is that? And, and so we just it's just it's, us. <laughs> yeah. Just looking at it. And so after Trish finally said, well, I want to go over to Walgreens. So we got in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and so we drove to Walgreens, which is very close by. Uh, and uh, Trish went in. I stayed in the parking lot and I looked and there that thing is, whatever it is, was, had moved over uh, through these trees and uh because I, I could no longer, I thought, well, I'm not going to see it anymore because we're, we're located. But no, it had moved over and there it was again. <laughs> it, uh, and there was uh, never any report of it in the news, nothing. Right. And it had no sound. It, it, I never, we never saw it move at all. Uh, it's, uh, so I mean, that's are, the, you know, that's the thing is that, I mean, the, the, there is, again, the mystery is greater than the known. But, yeah. You, you know, I mean, I don't, it's the same. I don't understand how nobody saw the one that we saw. But then <laughs> that dream I had came about six weeks after the event, after seeing it. So in, in terms of time, it was pretty close. It was either now, like six or eight weeks later. Now, okay, the craft in your dream, was it like the craft you saw? You yeah, it was, the, it was the, 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 the person or the, 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 the entity showing uh -huh. me the craft said, this is the craft you saw. Oh, all right. Interesting. So, it, so I think, I mean, whether it was he meant the same kind of craft or the actual. Or the actual craft. craft. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh. it, but I think it was the actual craft. There's hope, Rob. Yeah, right. <laughs> Somebody will say, yeah. OK, we're taking you up. <laughs> then there's uh -huh. the whole question of the connection between uh, these uh, extraterrestrial interdimensional beings and spirits. Uh, mm -hmm. Whitley Strieber writes about seeing uh, somebody who is deceased with uh, with an uh, alien being or whatever they are you want to call them. He calls them visitors, and uh, you know it, it, you can look at it two ways. That actually there's an interchange, or that that they they can move into the same re afterlife realm. Or that they're showing you that person that you knew to make you feel more comfortable that, you know, that's somebody you know. Uh, so, you know, you can look at it either way, whether it's a projection or it's actually, you know, they're. Well, they're, I think part of his his theory is that they they do inhabit the same world. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not in separate dimensions. Which would make sense, because if. Yeah, it if, would. You know, if. If all of this is an act of creation and it's all basically a, a web of energy, you know, it, it, it would make sense that these beings and spirit are. I mean, I've, you know, the, that's the that that what I call that dream is the only experience I've had. With a, with a different entity, all mm. the others have been spirit. And so definitely spirit exists beyond this physical reality. I mean, there's, to me, there's absolutely no no question of that. Have but, you ever asked John about this? Which my, the John that was with? Yeah. No, I mean, I, <laughs> he hasn't been around for a long time. He very much was, I mean, he was kind of like a guardian angel to me for maybe uh -huh. 10 years. But then someone who I, you know, was who, who I was then working with said you know he needs to go it's his time to move on so i did a ceremony to huh. 
send him on. And he did rather sadly, he took his own life in real life because he had manic depression. He was suffering bipolar disorder. And I, you know, it's, it's almost like he, I, he gifted me with the things he had wanted to experience his own, in his own life, if you will. And, um, so when they, wait, when they move on, where do they move on to? Again, back into another life. Or <laughs> I, I I mean that there's it there are kind of it feels like in there are it, it, there are almost like we the, the containment of this reality has wrappings if you like and uh-huh. the next layer from this reality is that reality of the spirits but then beyond that are more realities that we can't access from right. here and they can't come through Do you, if, if, if that makes sense this is again this is not knowledge this is just my sense right of it. but yeah. you, you, know, are, you also you also ask that question to the mediums too where do they go what is it like mm-hmm. yeah and what was their general view of the nothing that nothing that i remember <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I, I think what I remember is that they were so different. Uh, they had yeah. they had very uh, you know uh, wide ranging ideas of uh, what they would experience. You know, it's fun. I mean, it's funny because I actually haven't read the book <laughs> in year in I say in years. But, you know, I wrote it maybe five years ago. So, oh no, no more. Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, eight years ago. And so, uh, weirdly enough, in my world of photography, where you're always taking pictures, one of the techniques I have for editing pictures is saying memory is the best editor. The picture you remember when you look at the picture, you know, you're the uh-huh. film, the ones you remember the day after are the good ones because they stay in your memory. So the takeaway from Question of Spirit, the things I really remember are the childhood stories of the of a lot of the mediums mm-hmm. but there's one medium and i didn't i don't know his real name because he was working i by by pure luck <clears throat> uh, again this is synchronicity i met the guy who is the accountant the cfo for this big enterprise called calif what is called california psychics i think it is yeah. it's, huh. it's one of the 800 pound gorillas that you know <laughs> it's phone in psychic service and they okay. i was talking to him you know i met him at a dinner and i started talking to him about the whole psychic thing and I said oh my god i'd love to you know i'm doing this book i'd love to interview some of your mediums and he hooked me up with several of their best mediums to interview but they all had to be done on pseudonyms but this guy he had been from England too he had been a postman in England and he became fascinated with music and with John Denver and he had this whole thing of of the key of life you live your life in a key of life the songs you like the music you like life it's like the again it's harmonics and music and that's one of the other really big takeaways he's someone i would love to reconnect with and hear where he's gone with you know with his studies and his work because i think what he was onto was really something powerful which is you know the harmonics the key of life uh-huh. and how music is is itself such a channel i mean we know the church tried to control music for 2000 years essentially right is that the one failed (laughs) is it is that the one you're speaking of who also went to this uh, tribe in south america and spent time with the shamans uh oh no that was that was the would that was another guy okay but that he was fascinating too his stories were amazing yeah, he he seemed to. One uh, one of the things that I took away from that, he says, our influences in the Western world come from all over. They come from the East with yoga. They come from Europe. Uh, uh, but with this tribe, it's singular. This is their history. This is the, yeah. their their spiritual quest is has never been influenced by any outside. Uh, influences at all it's just always been them and it's he, he considered their experience to be pure in that sense that's like the uh tribe that lived at the top 
in that Colombian city where we went. The Kogi Indians. The Kogis. Yeah. Right, yeah. Oh, what was that? <laughs> yeah, uh, we used to lead adventure tours to South America in the 1980s, and oh. um, we would take uh, we would take riders, uh, and they would go free of charge. And we would uh, we took three trips up into the upper Amazon, uh, and but we also went to the uh, lost the, city, the lost city of mm. uh, Santa oh. Marta. Uh, it's near Santa Marta. I can't remember. I can't the, remember the name of the city. Name, oh. oh. Yeah, it was called the Lost City. It was San- yeah. from Santa Marta, and where the only way to get to this Lost City was either had to walk for five days or take a helicopter. Well, we were on this trip with uh, like uh, I don't know eight or ten people, and so we, we took two helicopters and went up there and, and spent some time uh, up there with some archaeologists. And uh, one on on uh, one of the trips, we did this a couple times. Uh, the storm came up and everybody left and but i got stuck rob got, got stranded I, I got left behind everybody gets back to the hotel and i'm not there they just they, no nobody said anything uh that i, I was did just, i said well, where yeah, were you no nobody i mean the pilot or nobody said that oh, we yeah. left some we left somebody behind so when i get left behind there with an archaeologist or two and then the kogis come out of the woodwork and i had a very interesting uh time up there that evening Oh wow! Did you what did you experience? Did you did you learn anything you know fr- from them, if you will? Um, I I can't recall anything right off the bat. I just remember they had these archaic guns from the nineteenth century, the rifles <laughs> that they were carrying, <laughs> and uh, they you know they're they have a the the men are all weavers and it's like they're weaving the universe and they what mm-hmm. one of the things i remember is that they said that uh each morning they they have these rituals they go th- through just to make sure that the sun comes up uh for for another day and that they called themselves the elder brothers and they call us in the western world the younger brothers the people with the helicopters and the airplanes and uh and that they were kind of responsible for keeping our existence going (laughs) (laughs) oh bless (laughs) that is so that's fascinating i've always wanted to do the the ancient temples of South America, but you know, seeing the the pictures, some of the um, you know, the the stonework looks, and even in Machu Picchu, looks am- amazing. It looks like there's stonework from a much earlier era, and I guess I mean all. I'm sure everyone who's listening and all of us are fascinated by you know Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson and all right. of these you know these ideas that perhaps there really was a civilization. Before And the very fact we've been the creature we are with the ability to reason and think and communicate for what 300,000 years they now think that, you know, the idea that our, our everything began at 6,000 years ago, you know, now Gobliteki, you know, 12,000 years ago, but it seems ridiculous. And so the, the, I think we live in an exciting time where perhaps we will start for the first time to see the civilization before. And, you know, for years we've heard psychics and mediums talk about Lemuria and Atlantis. And I've always been a bit like, really, really? But now more and more, it's like, oh yeah, maybe. I want to go there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pick me up. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But it is kind of fascinating that, that, and, and I think those, a lot of those, the stonework in South America perhaps hints at, another time because it from the pictures i've seen it looks like the foundations of some of the the things uh-huh. like each you show a completely different foundational structure and then the stonework on top is a, a, a totally different style yeah what we what we were taught in school in our times about is not what, true <laughs> what what native americans were primitive uh beings that uh you know lived in uh you know uh teepees and there was i never learned anything about these great fortresses and uh pyramids that exist uh just to the south of us uh it's you know it's 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 another uh you know there they they were here a long time ago and uh had 
an advanced civilization and the Mayans, you know, had uh, math advanced mathematics, astronomy that, uh, you know, is hard to explain. And I mean, you know, the, the, I mean, and for, you know, the from Egypt and the Mayans all over the world and in Indonesia, we see evidence of massive stretches of time in observing the stars. They knew mm. about the precession of the stars, the, right. you know, whether they <clears throat> necessarily knew that the Earth axis was to it was wobbling on its axis or whether they thought the heavens was wobbling. I don't know, but. But they had observed what we call the precession of the stars, which is 22,000 years, I think. It's, it's uh-huh. a huge time chunk. So, you know, they they already had a massive observational history. And, you know, we all, you know, we all know the story of Noah. Well, I, I grew up, you know, on the south coast of England and um, in a very shipbuilding, sailing area. You can't build an ark without an extraordinary amount of shipbuilding knowledge Mm -hmm. so the ancients i mean to me the greatest clue we have of the nature of the ancients is they were navigators they were sea people because the only way you have a legend of an ark is you know how to build boats really well Uh build a big boat you have to know how to build boats really really well yeah and there's probably you know influences from maybe other worlds uh and or the spirit uh, domain in in learning all of uh, all of these uh you know, studies and history their history yeah. yeah how do we tap into that <laughs> this is i you know this is something that i've i have been in really intrigued with because you know we get glimpses in dreams in foresight mm-hmm. in 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 you know in deja vu but we get glimpses that all of this, I mean, I do feel like, I mean, people, you know, you talk about the Akashic records. When I was younger, there was that book, Many La- Masters, Many Lives. And when I first came to L.A. in the late 80s, I was very I got really interested in past life regressions. And I did 40 of them. And, you know, because wow. of the dreams, I've always kept dream journals of everything. And after getting to about 40 past life regressions, I kind of. I, a penny dropped and I went, you know, I'm not, these are not lives I have lived. These are lives that have been lived and mm-hmm. I'm able to access, access right. all of this information through hypnosis. You're, you know, you're, when you quiet the conscious mind through the subconscious mind, you can connect to what Jung would call the collective subconscious or mm-hmm. the Akashic records. So all knowledge is there for us but we just don't necessarily know how to <clears throat> access it. And I've I've tried, you know, with meditation and with everything, you know, mushrooms and you name it. <laughs> it's really hard to access it. Hypnosis seems to be a good way, but it's a good way to get things you need to learn. I would mm-hmm. say my, my experience with past life regressions, you get told the story you need for what you need to know. Exactly that time and so is it internal or are you connecting externally or is the internal pulling from the external what you need to know in this moment kind of feels like that but again i don't know the mystery is greater than the known you know seven years ago there was a book by a a healer he was a chiropractor eric curl and he had developed a new healing technique which didn't involve touching anybody it was hand motions. So a friend and I went to one of his workshops in Alabama. And what he had you do was work on somebody you didn't know, a stranger, doing these particular hand motions. So I was laying on the table and the woman, the stranger, started doing these hand motions. And all of a sudden, the top of my skull blew off. Literally, it felt like it. And a, a light shot out of the top of my skull, went through the ceiling. And suddenly at the top, I saw three alien beings peering down. I thought, oh, who are you? <laughs> and they were friendly. They were just curious. And about four years later, during Hurricane Francis, Robin and her daughter were all asleep. The animals were all asleep. I was laying in bed listening to the wind and thinking that the that the skylights were going to blow off. And all of a sudden, the same thing happened. And I saw them. I thought, okay, I'm okay. 
and I fell asleep. <laughs> when I woke up, the hurricane was gone. So I don't know. You know, I've asked, okay, where are you guys? You know, make another appearance, <laughs> whoever you are. <laughs> it was weird. I mean, it. you know, one of, I mean, it's funny, one of the, that reminds me of one of the craziest moments of my life happened. I was, I before I left England and emigrated to America, so we're talking like the mid, late 80s, um, I, I was looking after someone's dogs in, in England. And the, I had this one dog whose name randomly was Merlin. Merlin used to <laughs> love to catch the ball. And so I had, you know, those bright green tennis balls uh-huh. that you throw for the dogs. And this was, you know, I didn't have a, a throwing stick. I was just throwing it by hand. And it was kind of a gray London day, just kind of, you know, the end of the day. So it's kind of dark. But these bright green tennis balls, they're clear to see. You can always three them. And so I threw it for Merlin and it bounced on the ground. It bounced up in the air. And in front of my eyes, it just vanished into thin air. Oh, God. And I was looking at it, rubbing my eyes to say, it's fine. Merlin's going to find it. Merlin's going to find it. And Merlin's running around looking for the ball. And I'm like, how the hell did that happen? And I'm staring into the space where my ball had vanished. And suddenly it reappears coming back towards me. Oh, Some wow. Of the, I, it just popped back into, into vision and it came back and it bounced and rolled up to me. And Merlin ran back and grabbed <laughs> it at my feet. I was like, how the hell did that happen? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's certain times when, when the dimensions collide or something. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. But you know, um, Andrew, this has been fascinating. Oh, that's been great. We're gonna have we're gonna get you and Jude on at the same time. Oh my god, I would love that. That would be such a good conversation. That really would. That that would be interesting, right? Yeah, Uh, the hour went so fast. Amazing. Oh, it really Uh, did. It was great talking to you. Um, I love what you guys are doing. It's great. It's really. It's 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 nice because I do feel you know we all feel I think maybe a little alone or separated. You know, so it's right. really nice being able to hear what you're doing. It's well appreciated. Thank yeah. you. But now tell people how they can get in touch with you, where your book is, all that. The book's on Amazon, A Question of Spirit. Um, I think it may even be free on Kindle if you if, oh, okay. if Kindle files. I never got around to doing an audio book because, um, you know, it's too many voices because it's all <laughs> interviews. Yeah. <laughs> and other than that, I mean, you know, on Instagram, um, Andrew McPherson official, or, you know, on the um, McFly.com is the work site. And Andrew McPherson.com is the, the you know, the pictures I love to take. Okay. Or the person. So, you, so you're still active as a photographer then? Yes. Although I'm actually now working with um, a, a medical group who are bringing all these amazing products to market. So I'm working huh. Them kind of as a, a creative director, photography is the most beautiful thing, and I feel so gifted to have been able to do it as my life work. But now over sixty, you get aged out. I mean, it's just you know, it's a it's the media, it's a young person's business. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I got to do what I love for forty five years, right. which is amazing. Um, but if you now- ever come to Casa Dega. Please contact us. We will meet you there and do do photography. You know, it'd be great. It's a great place to to do to take pictures. I will. You know, I will. I I have. I I mean, you know, I have friends in Florida, so I'm sure I will have reason to get there. And I know (laughs) next year I want to go to. I think it's not as far as Florida. I think it's in more in the Nashville area. But there's the eclipse of the sun next year. Right, the solar eclipse. Yeah. 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 So I want to go out that to go east for that, but if I get to Florida, is that where you guys are based? Yeah, yeah we're so- in, we're in South Florida, uh, near West Palm. Okay, perfect. That would be great. Okay, Thank you. Great. So oh, this has been so much Thank fun. You. Thanks so much. Yeah. This has just okay. been great. Thanks for joining The Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. 
Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. Okay, John, when does this go up? Uh, it, it should be next uh, next Sunday, a week okay. from today. Yeah. And we'll send you the link. Yeah. Okay, and, great. Uh, okay. Just uh, real, real quick, I wanted to... Uh, couldn't uh the conversation was flowing so well i didn't want to interrupt <laughs> you guys earlier but uh uh music kept coming up and it and it in relations in relation to physics it reminded me of a favorite quote uh by of mine by michio kaku uh like the the universe is a symphony of strings and the mind of god that einstein eloquently wrote about for 30 years would be cosmic cosmic music resonating through eleven dimensional hyperspace. Wow! <laughs> so there's the music. I mean, yeah. it's literally made out of music. So yeah. Yeah. that's great. Machio yeah. Kaku's good. Yeah. His, his books are terrific. Yeah. yeah. Okay.